ButcherBox makes it super easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty. And ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your front door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at ButcherBox.com forward slash WP and use code WP. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life throws at you. I've personally never tried therapy, but I've heard from friends it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com Waypoint to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Waypoint. It's hot, really hot here in Kentucky. The bass are still feeding, but in most cases, they've moved away from their springtime hotspots. We're sitting down with our good buddy, John Hunter, to chat about a more advanced topic. Deep fish in the summertime. Where do those bass go? What are they eating? And the best way to catch them. We'll discuss electronics, what to use and how to look for the fish, and what to look for on the water. We'll discuss the rods, reels, lures, and baits, and even the line selection that John is using to find these deeper fish. Lastly, John's going to show you the exact worms that he goes to first, and even talk a little bit about some shallow water tips and pond secrets that will help anybody that's watching this video. Welcome to Gearbox Talk at Summer Bassin with Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit Angler, John Hunter. coming into another show with us. Uh, you did a show a couple weeks ago with Brad talking through your electronics and that whole setup. And this week we're going to go a little bit deeper, a little bit more advanced and talk about summertime, hot, fishing deep, getting off the ledges and, and just fishing deeper water. So most anglers understand that throughout the year, bass are going to move throughout you know, the water column. They're going to get shallow, go deeper. Mm-hmm. But where do the bass go after they've been so easy to find all spring, yeah. where do they head to? Yeah, in the spring, a lot of lakes around the country, a lot, and especially here in Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, a lot, a lot of times where there's clear water, um, you can see them in the spring. So it feels like there's so many fish up shallow, and it's like it's easy to catch them. It's just it's a blast. And then come June, it's just like they're ghosts. It's like they, they just it's like they left the lake. Um, 
And in a sense, uh, they left where you were, were seeing them a lot. They're out um, chasing bait, out deeper, holding on structure. Um, and that's where they spend the majority of their months, of course, till the fall when the migration of bait moves back shallow and the fish will follow. So let's let's set up some parameters around mm-hmm. what is deep. Is it a certain water depth that considers a deep fish for you, mm-hmm. or is it just a certain structure? Yeah, it's all uh, it's all relative to the to the body of water. Um, you know, certain certain lakes have different thermoclines, different. Um, you know, different levels of oxygen that different at different depths. So, for instance, uh, there's a couple lakes around where we're sitting right here, and deep there is 12 feet. That's deep um, because the water is dingier. There's not as much as all the oxygen down there at 12 feet. So that's you know max levels you're going to catch them. Now you might catch them in 12 foot over 50, suspended on a piece of timber or a concrete column or whatever it is. Um, but then you go up places that have current, um, like the Tennessee River system, um, any kind of river system, St. Lawrence up north, uh, Detroit River, uh, all over the country. If there's current or if the lake tends to be a lot clearer, um, we're gonna have uh, the, we're gonna have places where they get much deeper. And then now we're talking 30, 40, 50, 60, even 70 feet in some places. So we're gonna talk a little bit later about the tackle, but I'm assuming at that point the sensitivity of your entire setup is very important. Yeah, it is. Um, gear is is important all year round, but definitely, and you know, as fish get deeper. Um, your patience is, is, is equally as important. <laughs> That's probably where I struggle the most. Is yeah. like, I'm not getting bit. I'm going to move back in shallow where I know it and fish it well. People think like their their boat, their depth finder will say 30 feet, and they think they're fishing in 30 feet, but they're fishing in like 15 because most people will fish it halfway back to the boat and then reel it up. You're never even hitting what you what's really deep. So um, a lot of times in these clear reservoirs, highland reservoirs, um, in the summer, your boat will be fit, sitting in 60, 70, 80 feet, and then you're fishing You're fishing deep. Yeah. So you did the show with Brad, talking through your entire setup with your electronics on your boat. Walk us through a little bit of your approach and how you're using those when you're fishing deeper, because yeah. obviously you're trying to find that structure, but mm-hmm. what are you actually looking for? Yep. Uh, electronics are extremely important. It's And people say, we call them fish finders, and a lot of people think that, we're literally just seeing like there's a you can actually see the fish on there and like that makes it easy but it's not that's not so much a case the fish finder allows you to find it does show fish if you know what you're looking for which takes hours behind them um and a lot of times there's so many different fish in a lake you got to differentiate is that a bass catfish crappie bluegill um gar you know needlefish there's so many different kinds of fish so learning how fish relate to structure and how they set up um in the water column on certain pieces of uh, uh of structure that's how you can can try and decide and decipher whether that's a bass or catfish and uh the different kinds of species but like chunks very important because like i said helps you find the structure you know i had my side scan set out to 80 to 100 feet the the, the tighter you are um, on each side, the more detail you'll see. Um, and then you always run my down scan and sonar as well. So as far as like the, the live target stuff and the pan optics, oh, yeah. is it, how far down does it go? That's, that's super important too. That's all new within the past year. And I've been fortunate enough to run the Lawrence active target for about a year now. And, uh, it's a game changer. It's forward sonar. It's live. You're seeing the fish swim around and how they react to your bait. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, I set mine on about 100 feet out, and you can 
you can accurately see your bait up to 70 feet. Um, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. You can watch your jerk bait, crank bait, you can see how fish are coming out of brush piles or off of bridge pilings to react to it. So does that change the way that you fish now compared to the way you used to fish? Do you hit a spot with different baits longer? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know if they're there or not. That's one 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 big advantage. Yeah. Um, you're not fishing something. If you don't see them, well, they're not here. They've moved. Um, but what also I've realized is that fish are everywhere for the most part. Like we're at Smith Lake this year for a uh, tech warehouse uh, pro circuit event, and every point on Smith Lake has school spotted bass on it. Every point, no matter what. Anytime you pull up, there's going to be a school spots on it. Um, and getting them to buy is just the trick. Yeah. Um, it can be kind of maddening and frustrating. Um, but it also you also learn about a lot of times about bait selection. I would say that's how that's the biggest advantage is to see how they're reacting to baits. Okay, the jerk bait bringing them out is a spy bait, is a swim bait, what's working? Do I need to throw something, you know, slow, a drop shot? And so figuring out how they react and trying to get them to buy. So we'll link in the show notes uh, to John's episode with Brad where he talks through all of his electronics and that kind of setup too, just to get into a little bit more detail there. So let's let's take a little bit of a change in direction. Mm-hmm. I fish a lot of ponds because of convenience, mm-hmm. just run around with family and everything. It's easier to do that. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners and watchers do too. Yep. So how are you going to approach summertime deeper fish on a pond? So I, I wanted to say this earlier, we were talking deep. Um, a lot of people think when it's summer – you have to go deep, but that's really not true. What I find in the summer is you want to play the extremes. You either want to go deep or ultra shallow. Um, that's where those fish are going to be. A lot of times you don't find them in that mid depth. You find them on the extreme spectrums of the water column. And a lot of times everyone's wanting to go deep. So those ultra shallow fish get overlooked and there's a good population of them there. And a lot of times they're ones that have been getting picked on. So uh, it's, it's a good option to always keep the ultra shallow bite honest and when you're doing that we're looking for shade brim beds places that that they'll want to be around in the in the hot months um so for pond fishing it's you know looking for the shade looking for for the bait um and if there's not deep water then you're you're looking for structure um places for them to live on a single stick i mean that's where they're going to be so if you're fishing one of these, you know, these really deep, really clear lakes, mm-hmm. do you find yourself moving around a lot more? Or do you kind of hone in on the type of structure that you're looking for on that body of water and just hammer spots? Or do you, yeah. you move around more? It A lot of that also depends on the fishery. Um, but if it's what we call a brush pile event, you're going to be hitting places, a lot of places in one day. You're going to have as many brush piles as you can possibly have found that way. Because a lot of times when you pull up to a brush pile, if there's a bass there and he's ready to eat, he's going to eat it in the first few casts. You'll throw five or six different baits a couple times at him, rip a troll motor up, and you're off to the next one. And the more times you can do that in the day, the higher your odds are of catching a lot of fish and some bigger ones. So for, for a guy or a gal that's not fishing for money, would you hit them harder or longer? Um, no, probably not. Because um, a lot of times, even then, even the smaller ones, you pull up and they bite. I mean, you catch them until they quit biting, really. And then that's usually your sign. Probably need to keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Listening to the fish is a big thing. Uh, was, you know, whether it's bait selection, should I keep fishing the spot? Should I make a move? Um, yeah, listening cool. to them. 
right, well, let's uh, let's move on from the tactics side of things and get a little bit more into the fun stuff. We're going to talk about gear. We're going to talk about tackle, rods, reels, lures, all that good stuff. So what are your top three go-to baits fishing heat of the summertime and if you're going to go deep? Heat of the summer. So since I preached the shallow, the, the, so I... If I had to pick, let's call it three summertime lures in general, like if you just could give me three, I'm going to say I want a deep crankbait. There's How more uh, 15 to 30, you know, like a 6 cent C20 or a Strike King 8XD, a Strike King 10XD, 6 cent C25. Um, I think Z-Boss makes the 20 or the 25 as well. Just those crankbaits with the huge giant lips on them and they get down there and hunt probably more big fish are caught on that in a spoon, uh, a big magnum spoon than any other bait out deep. If I had to guess, um, just big ones bite it. It's a big profile. Um, you're not going to get a lot of bites doing it when you do, it's going to count. Um, so I would say, I would say the, the big crankbait of the spoon. And then, um, next would be, we'll, we'll go to the shallow side. That's a frog in the summertime, the brim are spawning, and a frog is impossible to beat. Um, when you're fishing shallow, you can skip around shade, boat docks, um, pads, grass. It's just so versatile. Um, so I would say a frog. And then next would probably have to be a big worm. Going back deep, uh, a big worm so versatile as well. You can fish it on points. You can fish it in brush. It's weedless. You can fish it in grass, submerged grass. I mean, flip it on docks, throw it. It's just... It's extreme. You can fish it everywhere, and uh, all you got to do, you know, if you're in 20, you might throw it on a half-ounce weight. If you're in 35, you might throw it on a 5.8. All you got to do is just change your weight size with it. So you brought some of your favorites here. Why don't you walk us through some of your your I did. So my personal favorite summertime worm is the Six Sense Ridge Worm. This thing is uh, killer. It's unlike any other worm. Any worm will work. Um, but this one's just something they haven't really seen. It's got this really, really long straight tail and a thicker body up here, which holds your hook. And this thing, when it's in the water, it just undulates and moves a ton of water, puts off a lot of vibration and it just gets bit. And and I don't really fish it like I do a normal worm where you just kind of like drag it along. This one, I'll kind of like, I'm always just wanting it to do this in the water. So I'm always just kind of pumping my rod up, letting it fall, pumping up. And, and then it's it's literally just doing this with that more of a swim. Yeah, more of a swim. Um, and when you run it into a piece of cover, you can kind of stop it and shake it and then hop it again. A lot of times that quick snap of the rod will get a reaction bite. Um, yeah, that's this is a killer worm. I throw it on, as far as like rods and reels, I throw it on a 7.3. actually have it here. Um, I have one rigged up from fishing last but a 7.3 medium heavy um swaper grade black label on 15 to 20 pound p-line fluorocarbon uh straight fluoro straight fluoro um it all depends on you know if i'm fishing some gnarly brush i'll probably go up to 17 or 20 but if i'm fishing like just dragging along points or on a ledge it doesn't have a lot of stuff to get hung in i might go 15 if the water's clear and uh five lot worm hook and weights can vary, you know, from a quarter in shallow grass all the way up to a half ounce, three or there are five eighths out deep. So you've got that weight pegged when you move. Yep. It. Um, I do have it pegged when I'm fishing um, structure like brush or submerged trees. I'll always peg the weight. But if I'm fishing grass, 
a lot of times I'll leave it unpegged because it allows that bait to kind of get behind the weight. Like the, the weight might get caught up in the grass and allows this worm to kind of swim more free out in the, uh, out in the grass. You're not going to get hung in grass. You can always just rip it out. You want to peg it in the brush because if it gets, if it's get disconnected from the weight, it'll get hung up a lot easier. So when you're fishing a spoon, what tackle are you putting that on? Okay. Yeah. The spoon and the crankbait, um, spoon, heavy, heavy, heavy line. Um, something that I've experienced with lately, a lot of people throw it on 20, 25 pound straight floral. Lately, I've been throwing it on 50 pound braid to like a 20, 25 pound fluorocarbon leader. I'll use about three or four feet there at the end. That way you're not getting caught up in the trebles and there's still a little bit of stretch. What that braid does is it allows you to fish it much easier. A spoon is very exhausting because the way I fish it is I'm constantly ripping it and that just gets so tiring. So I'll throw it on a braid to floral leader because the braid has less, less stretch, allows you to work it easier. And then the crankbait, I'm throwing it on a on a seven uh, seven six or I'm sorry a seven four uh, moderate medium heavy uh, suede crankiness rod on twelve to fifteen pound pylon four forward. Cool. Yep. So where's been your favorite place to get out on some deep ledges and maybe it's fish a spoon, maybe it's deep cranking. Like if there's one spot yep. where you've torn it up, where would it be? Man, the Tennessee River is it's getting tougher because more people out here are doing this ledge fishing thing. Everyone's getting. Um, a lot more experience with electronics and uh, so it's getting tougher the fish are getting more pressure off the bank um, but I would have to say I'm going to give you two places but Tennessee River or Texas Texas has some great offshore fisheries like Sam Raver and Toledo Bend uh, Lake Fork, Falcon those are all incredible um, so I would have to say they're Tennessee River lakes which is your Gunnersville's, your Pickwick your Kentucky Lake, Chickamauga um, either that or just the state of Texas nice yeah so we talked about some of the deeper tactics that you're mm-hmm. working on. Let's go back to the frog because you yep. brought that with you. Yep. Uh, that's one of my favorite ways to fish in the summertime. Yep. What are you going to be doing yep. with it? So like we said, there's always those deep fish, get those shallow fish in the summer. What they're doing is they're feeding on brim up shallow for the most part. Um, the brim spawn after the bass. So the bass spawn up until all around crunch up till May or June. Um, and then after that, it's the bait spawn, which is a uh, shad, um, you know, there's different kinds of shad, um, and then the brim will spawn after them. So really those fish stay shallow, most of them, until after the shad spawn, and then they'll, they'll go out deep and they'll chase those balls of shad everywhere, and they'll sit on cover and ambush them when it comes by. But those other, that other portion of fish stay up shallow and wait for the brim spawn to happen from June to September. And that's why there's always a lot of big fish up shallow, and that's why I like to target them with a popping frog, this is a six cents Vega frog. I throw it on a seven six heavy rod with fifty pound braid. Um, like we said, we're looking for the visually looking for brim beds, looking for shade. Brim like to hang around shade, docks, um, pads, grass, um, a lot of shallow cover. It's just easy to cover water, and they bite it. So, are you targeting stuff that's close to the bank? I'm assuming because mm-hmm. those brim beds are going to be tight. Yep. What, what are you looking for? You're bank today? oriented for sure. Um, any any you know any cover shallower than three or four feet um you can even catch them on flats on this there has to be happens to be a log or something a lot of times it is bank oriented and structure oriented cool yeah all right john well thanks for coming in and talking to us again today and going through you know your summertime your heat of the summer stuff that you're using and what you're looking for make sure you check out all the gear that we've got linked in the show notes to see what john's using 
Uh, we'd love to, to help you guys get more success this summer than you typically get. Thanks for coming to Gearbox Talk, and we'll see you all there. I sure learned a few things from John. We always appreciate him coming on and dropping his knowledge. Make sure you check out the show notes to see some of the other shows that we've done with John to help you become a better angler. And then also to click on the gear and check out the items that he talked about today on the show. Anytime you buy items that we link in the show notes, we get a kickback on those. And what we do is we pass some of that along to Raise Them Outdoors, which is a camp that teaches kids how to fish and how to enjoy the outdoors themselves. If this show was helpful for you, make sure you subscribe and check out all of our other shows on fishing to make you a better angler. All right, y'all. John gave me some of his favorite worms. I got bass to go bust. I'll see y'all later. Bye. Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat, all these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie.